Hello and welcome to the Cinemondo Podcast with Kathy, Mark, and Burke talking about movies, horror, sci-fi, unusual, unknown, forgotten, underappreciated, always interesting. And today we have a special guest, Lisa Fancher, is back with us. Hi! Yay! Lisa knows literally everything about music and today we're going to talk about music. It's I, I feel like the people who do the scores for films, the composers... The classics, the people that we all know their names, like, you know, John Williams and Howard Shore. And they're really, to me, just as much filmmaker as the people who make the film part, you know, the visual part. The 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 music is just as crucial and vital to the feel of the film. And one, one person that we were talking about recently that we thought deserved an entire episode is... Harry Nilsson. Harry. On the one hand, very, very famous, but so much we don't know about this very dark soul. And I wonder how many people listening right now are saying, who's Harry Nilsson? Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder. Like, he's, he is incredibly famous and influential, but I don't know if people know his name. I think people would recognize his music if they heard For it. They sure. go, oh, I like that song. <laughs> one song to the next can be completely different. Yeah. yeah. You know, it could be kind of a goofy kind of song, then it's a real melodic song, then it's a classical tinge song, then it's a show tune. Or a real ballad-sounding song, and then a super sunshiny pop kind of song. Like he did... uh, I mean, people growing up in the 60s and 70s remember some TV show music that he did, like The Courtship of Eddie's Father. Right. Oh, yeah, right. You can see it on reruns, you younger folks. (laughs) You can see it on YouTube, probably. People, let me tell you about my best friend. He's a warm-hearted person but that was such a great theme song it was like this happy and the the opening credits to that show are just that's like totally the 70s you know it is it's forest mark don't you know the lyrics (laughs) (laughs) i do in fact i just watched it on youtube it's great because it's it's you know bill bixby plays this kind of hip father and he's got this uh, young son, maybe like a 10-year-old son. And so he's them walking along a beach, and there's a voiceover of them having a conversation. It's always an interesting conversation. It's like talking about whatever, society or something, from a father to a son. It's like a dad advice. Yeah, but of, he's kind of, a, kind of a cool, hip, counterculture dad. At right. Least from the, I remember watching that when I was a kid going, he's, well, he's a pretty cool father. You know, he right. had like the leather, you know, like the, <laughs> the fringe jacket on, all that kind of stuff. And then the Harry Nielsen song would start. Yeah. And it was just a great beginning to a show, you know. Yeah. It made you like it right away. Also, Brandon Cruz wound up being the singer of a punk band oh. called Dr. No. That's right. And he wasn't really that cute anymore. Oh. <laughs> Just a sort of a classic thing that happens to yeah. movie kids. Yeah, he was a cute little kid then, and then he, well, and that he happens got to tough. a lot of kids in, in, the, in the movies. And it, a lot of them grow up, and the, and the cuteness becomes... They become teenagers, and they get that teenager edge to them, you know? Right. And it doesn't... And people are so used to seeing them as the cute little... The cute little moppet, you know, and then suddenly it's like, whoa, that kid looks like maybe he smokes cigarettes now. (laughs) (laughs) Macaulay Culkin, who sort of got weird looking. I'm so sorry we're making fun of people now. Not making fun. It's just, I mean, they... You can't be a cute little five-year-old forever. Yeah. A cute little ten-year-old, so... But yeah, I mean, the song, the Nilsson song in the introduction to that show makes it seem like he's always going to be this cute kid. It's this endless summer kind of music and just the happiness of being with dad, walking down the beach and chatting about things. And But Nilsson's music, I mean, the, his music always played a part 
in the film or the or the uh, I mean I guess one of the biggest ones that everybody knows is is um, Midnight Cowboy. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words they're saying. He didn't even write the song. But he didn't write the song. He one of his biggest songs. And he yeah. was an incredible songwriter. And one of his biggest songs isn't even something he wrote. Right. Which but it was a tribute his... to his singing abilities, yeah. too. Exactly. Because he was just such an amazing singer that it didn't even matter that he didn't write it. Everybody yeah. thought he did. He had a great voice. And, and, uh, and that song is Midnight Cowboy. When you hear that song, yeah. you think of John Voigt, you know, and Dustin Hoffman walking down the streets of New York, you know. Yeah, or you think of Toots Thielman, you know, the, the, the harmonica player that played that great theme. Right, right, right. Yeah. The song Everybody's Talking by Fred Neal. Yeah. That's what it is. Really, really good song. And it sets the mood for that mm-hmm. film, you know, the, this country boy coming to the big city who thinks he's got this, he thinks he's got it worked out. <laughs> what, other, uh, what other films do we know that have harry nielsen music in them that is a crucial part of the film well you know something current which sort of reignited my interest in nielsen again is um russian doll is a new series on netflix well sort of new came out last month or so or um and the whole show is based around opening with that that one song and um which song gotta get up They they play that so it starts with that great piano that jangly piano dan 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 and so every time that shows every time she is you know it's about someone who keeps sort of like Groundhog Day keeps reliving the same day or Happy Death Day yeah yeah she dies every time she she kind of comes to that song's playing and she's looking in the mirror going ah <laughs> and it's a testament to the song that you don't get sick of it oh, after the 500th it. time you've seen it in the series. I mean, I heard it in the series. It's and true. then the song actually becomes an important part of the, like, where she is in time and what's happening to the reality that she's in. Is but the music is sort song. of like a signifier of what's... Yeah. It's a grounding like device. It like brings you back now. around. Yeah. It's actually really good. So everybody should watch it to get a little taste of Nielsen because you will not get that song out of your head for months. <laughs> This song is called Gotta Get Up, and it's on Nielsen Schmilson Which from is 1971. It's a great album. Yeah, love, love. That never gets old, that album. It's always good. And Everybody's Talking from uh, 1968 is the one from Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. And, um, I mean, people have heard heard the songs. You know, you've, I, I mean, name some Nielsen songs that everybody's heard. Coconut, 1941. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> without You. Without you, yeah. Without you is one of my most favorite songs of all time. Right. I, think. I always begged Red Cross to cover "Jump Into the Fire," and they go, "Nah, oh, it's jump stupid." Into jump into been, the fire. Jump into the fire. That would have been great. so and great. One. Oh yeah, number one. <laughs> huge hit. For, that was the other thing is, whatever he wrote a song was a huge hit for someone else, like Three Dog Night. That's yeah. That's right. And he did some songs from other people that got big too. But you know, he it was he was a singer too, as well as a songwriter. He started out as like a songwriter, kind of. Brill building style guy who would sit and write songs for other people all day. Ironically, while he worked in a bank, he's just scribbling songs down and mm-hmm. recording them. Yeah. And if, I get the impression that he felt like he just wasn't the type of person to be a pop star. You know, he felt like he didn't look like a pop star, and he didn't look like a pop yeah, a star. Looking dude. Yeah, when you look at him, you wouldn't think, "Oh, that guy's an incredible songwriter." You would think, "Oh, that that guy works at the bank." And but he he. Felt apparently felt like that too, and just thought I was gonna, you know, I'm gonna be behind the scenes. 
but he did get in front of the cameras too in in in, in a lot of uh you know he got to be friends with the Beatles and stuff and they made some films and well, didn't was, they love his album, like uh, his first album, Pandemonium Shadow Show? Wasn't that the first one? His yeah. first release. And then uh, the Beatles were like, we love this guy. He's and they favorite. called him up on the phone. And, Imagine that for your ego. Uh, yeah. He yeah, actually yeah. picked up the phone and it was John Lennon. Like, yeah. I'm a big fan of yours. What? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, he had obviously probably been a huge fan of the Beatles. And here's the Beatles calling him. But the... Um, the, the way I've discovered Harry Nilsson was I went to a, a horror movie called Son of Dracula thinking, you know, oh, cool, I love, I love horror movies, like Dracula movies. And I was a little kid, so I didn't really read articles or anything, <laughs> so I just went to this movie. Well, it was harder to find information about movies yeah. before the There internet. was no Rotten Tomatoes then? No, not even one. But the, um, I went in and saw this movie, and it was not a horror movie. It was, it was actually a really terrible movie. But it had Harry Nilsson and Ringo Starr. And was did Mark Boland show up in that, too? I don't know. Maybe not. I think he's got a cameo, or maybe I dreamed that. But, uh, <laughs> maybe so. It's just but bad. You just have to see have it. A, a, one of his great songs, though. Here come Such a good song. Oh, that's from the soundtrack? Yeah. He did the whole like soundtrack to that movie, yeah. right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's an album and a movie. Talk about an eclectic It's basically career. a bunch of drunk guys yeah. trying to make a movie. Is basically what the, or, With no director. Nobody no, was really directing no it at all. No script or anything. <laughs> nobody was saying, meanders. no, that takes too long or it's and terrible. It or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you know Everybody's Talking was in um, The Hangover 3? No, I did not know that. And in Borat and Forrest Gump. <laughs> I only Gump. saw two. <laughs> Forrest Gump. It was in Forrest Gump. I... I don't remember it being in there, but probably I, playing on a radio or something yeah, in the it's background. Probably, it's probably a, a time frame idea. But yeah, his well, music does have a time frame feel to it. When you hear it, it's like yeah. a lot of his songs were the kind of songs that you heard a million times on the radio if you were radio aware during those years. You were constantly hearing Harry Nilsson songs, and of course, when you hear them now in a film, it gives you it gives you that feeling because they definitely have that sound. Well, you know, like. Um and, other, and his films, are, his songs are used again and again in movies. Like Paul Thomas Anderson used um, a song from the Popeye soundtrack, right? In Punch Drunk Love. Yep. What? Yes, yeah. they use the one that the, Olive Oil sang. Olive Oil, yeah. Yeah. Shelley Duvall sings one called like he need, is it called? Yeah, he, he needs, needs me. me. And have you have, have you heard that song? I'm it's, sure I have. <laughs> you have to revisit it because Popeye's almost unwatchable. Yeah. in my opinion, but. Uh, but the, that but, song is really, really affecting, and it's really good in Punch Drug Club. It is. Nilsson yeah. wrote the wrote the music for Popeye, My and it's a musical, right? so it's a it's like a it's like a theme album for him. It's all about Popeye, but it's a Robert Altman film, and I guess he felt like, okay, here's some money. <laughs> well, I was like, they built this. I mean, just to talk about Popeye for a second, you know, it was a huge bomb. But it was yeah. a, Robert Evans produced it. It was they they built this whole set in Malta. You know, yeah. Robert Altman took everybody over there. And they were going to build this cartoon city or cartoon yep. town. 
But it's just when you watch it, it's just weird. Like Robin Williams' Popeye looks all sort of just Shelley Duvall's oil. Perfect casting, well, she's, really. Yeah, she, she's great. Yeah. You know, and that's that little bit where he she sings that. It's very sweet. There's mm-hmm. a, it's a sweet three minutes in the middle of the movie. It's one of those it's movies where you watch. see stills from it and you think, Oh, this looks like a fun movie. Oh, it's got Harry Nilsson music and it's directed by Robert Altman. This is gonna be great. And Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall, but then you start watching it and you're like, oh. Well, everybody gosh. started talking over each other, and it's yeah. like, it's that kind of Altman esque kind of stuff uh, that doesn't work in a cartoon kind of It makes you movie. wonder why he wanted to make that movie at all. It's just a weird deal so, after all so of his bad. human interest things to do Popeye. Imagine he had a vision in his mind of what this film could be, but somehow. They lost track of it because, the, like you were saying, they built that whole village. They built the whole Popeye town, pretty much, in Malta. And it's beautiful. And you see pictures, like production pictures of this little fishing village that they built. The detail. They had interiors and, you know, it was real. I think maybe it's still there. I'm, I'm not sure. I read something a while back about how they kept it intact. And I think mm. it's like a little tourist, or or they hoped that it would be a little tourist attraction but it became just sort of engulfed by the the real place it's like just even the the environment just wants it to go away yep. <laughs> yeah go away Papa. even the rats won't get on the boat like, right <laughs> they're trying to go for a cartoon world you know and it's just it just doesn't work. Yeah. You know, and um, I tried watching it a couple of times and I think I made like 20 minutes. I will in, never so. go back to that movie. <laughs> no. It's a it's a cartoon movie that it's so hard to catch that vibe of those old Fleischer Brothers cartoons because they need to be cartoons. And when you bring things like that into the real world, you get this uncanny valley thing. Because, I mean, they tried to make Robin Williams look like Popeye by doing these weird effects on him, like makeup effects on his arms and made his arms look all bulged out. But in reality, in a cartoon, it works. But in reality, it just looks like he has something really grievously wrong with his arms (laughs) and his face. It's like a deformity. It's like that movie Dick Tracy. You remember when Dick Tracy came out? Mm -hmm. The Chester Gould drawings are beautiful and cool. I love the Dick Tracy comics. But they tried to literally bring those drawings into reality with real facial skin and fit. You know, they had people, actors playing these distorted characters. They look like it, elephantitis. It looks yeah. like horrible. You didn't want to it watch. just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. you couldn't get your eyes past the the horror. Of well, we're spending way too much time talking about hideous films. Deserve no mention. <laughs> but there was that phase of weird comic that you there could do was. a whole show on. Just why yeah. did you do Peter Pan or all all those yes. things? That just fail. Stop doing that. But yeah. but going back to the soundtrack to Popeye, I I, I kind of would like to listen to that again. Yeah. You know, well, the songs are. Well, he transcends it. I think. Yeah. Have you listened so to those? I mean, I've only listened you know, to that one song. You know, I only song. heard part of it when, in the documentary that, mm-hmm. which is you know aptly named as like, who is Harry Nilsson and why is everyone talking about him? Right. Because yeah. he is one of those guys. Who's like, oh yeah, I know that guy, but you don't really necessarily know his name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you've heard his songs. Yeah. Even but, if you were just born, you know, even if you're a, a youngster, you've heard a Harry Nilsson song. Well, and his songs and movies too are so iconic. I mean. He, they almost make the movie like I think one of the my favorite Nilsson songs uses uses of a song was Goodfellas when they yeah. use Jump Into the Fire has yep. to be one of the greatest scenes not only in a movie but with that soundtrack on it yeah. oh it's so so good well there's not a misstep in Goodfellas there isn't but that song like it was an interesting <laughs> right. choice too but that song during that scene yeah so good 
Yeah. I think that was heavily inspirational to the way Tarantino uses it in the trailer where they use those bravos. It's like, I'm going to make yeah. I'm going to make that happen just like Scorsese does. Yeah. Right. And it was about what was happening to this character cuz he was jumping into the fire. Yep. Right. Right. It was like so good. And it's got this sort of, you know, Nilsson's voice is so great. There's so much emotion in his voice. I think that's a lot of a lot of the reason why they why it appeals to filmmakers cuz it imparts an emotion. Mm-hmm. And in that song, he's just like this anguished crying in the yeah. song almost and yeah, it, it's kind of almost yodeling yowling yeah really good and it's just so much so different i just a testament to his kind of songwriting he, that is so different from you know like everybody's talking or yeah. Yeah. coconut or any of these yeah. things that you know he performed or wrote it's almost got a dub vibe to it when you listen to the way that it was using echo and mm-hmm. almost like it was inspired by some Old reggae or something right. like this repetitious kind of bass heavy thing with One a of lot the coolest of echoing. bass lines. Yeah. Because I, I, for some reason, don't have an ear for bass at all in songs. Like if someone goes, great bass line, I'm like, where? What? <laughs> But that song, it's like, that is a bass line. I'm like, what? So all those years you used to come see my band play live, you never heard what I was playing. Did you nope. play bass? <laughs> Burke plays bass. Oh, he plays bass. Other things. I didn't know oh, that. I thought I had two less strings on. It's easier. I it was just a weird guitar. But yeah, that song has got a cool bass. Every bass so player good. knows that. It's <laughs> so good. It's such a cool a cool line and it just repeats. It's very dub, you know, yep. kind of dubby sounding. In Lime in the Coconut, uh Richard Perry yeah. came up with the idea of just having him do characters, so he just sang three completely different vocal parts and blended them together and that's, that should not work and it, it shouldn't work at all because it should be corny and terrible and everybody should hate it but it was amazing <laughs> it works somehow and when you whenever you hear that's the worst earworm we're just like damn yeah. it i, I can't know. believe i heard that I song know. i can't stop singing <laughs> so it true. a was lot that, of his songs have that earworm mm, vibe yeah. to them i like how they used um coconut in reservoir dogs because it was basically they went out on it it was like the credit credit song but oh that's right yeah considering it's about a stomach problem and the whole movie is about him with like having yeah. a stomach you know a bullet in his stomach it's like i thought that was rather clever <laughs> she called the doctor woke him up and said doctor ain't there nothing i can take i said doctor to relieve his belly ache i said doctor ain't there nothing i can take i said doctor to relieve his belly ache now let me get this straight I think probably the Reservoir Dog song is most iconic. Is that um, stuck in the middle? Uh, the, yes, um, stuck in the middle. Stuck yeah. in the middle. Such an that, innocuous song. Like, exactly. Yeah. But isn't that Steelers like, Wheel? Steelers yes. Wheel. Yeah. yeah. But that after was, the uh, fucking carnage in yeah. Reservoir Dogs, it's nice to go out on coconut. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that used in a commercial for like a so like a Sprite or something? He did sell probably. music for commercials <laughs> yeah. for a while. They're like me and my arrow. Then they use that for that that another song that they use for a car. Was it a car? Yeah, it was a, a car, car named Arrow. Yeah. Oh, that's right. There was a car named Arrow. Right. Me and my arrow, narrow. Yeah, it was wow. an animated um, movie that Nilsson did. The point. The, the point. Yeah. The point. Which is a whole another great thing that he did yeah. all the music for. Which is really hard to find a copy of. I I don't know if you can get that. Mm. I've seen Maybe. just bits on YouTube, but not the whole thing. Yeah, that I remember growing up. That was like an event on television. 
I mean, check out his filmography. I mean, we'll start like uh, some innocuous, uh, you know, background music from I Spy. Right. Skidoo. He did all the music for that. Jackie movie, Gleason. She's a Groucho Marx. Yeah, <laughs> just the strangest film. He must have been a gun for hire at that point. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's 1968. So yeah. yeah, it was young. So I have uh, Skidoo a, on DVD. That's what a nerd I am. Nerd. That's Otto Preminger film, right? Yeah. And then uh, the Ghost of Mrs. Muir. He sang and acted in the episode of that TV show. Corch Pavetti's father, Midnight Cowboy, Jenny. I don't know that one. Oh. Me either. The Point, Son of Dracula, and God We Trust, 1980. Uh, mm. Popeye. Wall Street movie. Uh, a, a handgun, First Impressions, The Telephone, Camp Candy, theme song written and performed with John Candy. Uh, <laughs> the Fisher King. He did a song on The Fisher King and Me, Myself, and I. So just... And that's just oh. some surface stuff, let alone that's the just, stuff inside the movies, like yes. Goodfellas. Right. Yeah, that, that, yeah this actually... is just the stuff he performed. But yeah, all the music from you know that he did, that was And this is a guy sport. who never really performed live. And that's probably another reason people don't know who he is, because he never did concerts. He, he did concerts. some TV appearances, though. There were yeah, some just things, some single, like, like lip syncing and stuff. He would be but... filmed, but he wouldn't be in front of an audience. He, he did right. whole specials for the BBC and so forth, but he absolutely would not play in front of human beings. He just And his wife said he was the most insecure person she ever met, which is incredible, but well, would as not play. With... I don't think played a concert after, like, in the 50s, when he was, like, in his oh. 20s or something. As with so many brilliantly talented people, like endlessly talented people, they have personal problems, and he had yeah, some he pretty deep issues. Demons. And oddly enough, you know the song "Without You." That's that he's one of the songs he's most known for was was written by uh, Badfinger. Badfinger song, and that's another band with a with a sad story. You know that just there was so much, so many people getting ripped off back in those days before before all Not this like stuff now. was. Well, I mean, <laughs> now at least there's there's probably more information out there on on ways to avoid having this happen. I guess I don't know in the, about how the music industry works anymore, but back then, some guy would come up to you and say, "Hey, I can make you a lot of money." Um, hire me, sign this contract. You know, it was just like in you know Phantom of the Paradise, where he gets yep. you to sign the contract, and and there's seven thousand pages, and he's like, oh, those are just uh, don't don't read that part. That's just the formalities. Mm-hmm. But um, I think a lot of pop stars did sign those horrible contracts and lose so much control over their own music and <clears throat> their own lives. Absolutely. And then, ironically, later on, Harry would be completely wiped out by his business manager who invested all of his money badly and took off with the rest. So Mm, he was so broke, he just sold off his songs. He actually sold the publishing. That's why they ended up in car commercials. Yeah. Yeah. Being (laughs) Yeah. Well, apparently also when John Lennon died, who was one of his best friends, he he sort of just fell off the map after that and just started a campaign for gun control. Yeah. But he wasn't really doing a lot of music after that. Yeah. Which is really I sad. think he did, a, I did, he did a PSA. He yeah. did. For yeah. gun control, like right after that happened. Right. And he did um, he did an album with Lennon. Um, Pussycats. Was, yes. And that was like apparently where he destroyed his voice. That They were just trying to outdo each other. Right. So they did a lot of screaming like in corners to just really rough up the voice. And he apparently just destroyed his vocal cords. Couldn't ah. sing after that. He has a lot of tragic stuff for a guy whose music was pretty like 
waifish and fun and lively, you know, except for the few that he didn't write, like, you know, without you, which was sad, but still had this, like, gorgeous sort of, like, quality. It's, like, it's another song that's deeply emotional, the way he yeah. sings it. He's like, he's crying, yeah. you know, it's like he's just, like, really weeping in the song almost, you know, the, this wail and um, his voice, I think, is his his singing performances are just as impressive as his songwriting too. He had one of the great rock and roll voices, one of the great pop voices, and you don't really hear you don't really hear um, his style of singing anymore. <laughs> you know, he, I, I know that sounds like a an old person thing to say, but <laughs> they don't make them uh, like they used to. Well, yeah. he would also do like standards, like he'd do the American Songbook, yeah, you know, which would also make his career kind of odd because he could would actually go, pull it off. He too. could pull yeah. it off. He was good at what it. What was you the know? name of that that standards album he did? A uh, night. Uh, Night with uh, Nilsson or something like that, where he's and that's actually a really good album because he does bring a really unique quality to that record. Is called A Touch of Schmilson in the Night, yeah. yeah. But and, he insisted on derailing his career, like whenever he was yeah. doing well, he would go, I'm gonna do a Randy Newman covers album yeah, or right. whatever, and people would be like, why, why your career? What about your career? He did not care, he would not be told what to do, period. Ever, was he was weird. a true contrarian, like he said, just, I'll just do what I want, yeah. not what yeah. you want me to do. Yeah, and the documentary talks to a lot of people who were there a lot of times during some of these recording sessions, and it was supposed to be just one huge Coke party. And they'd be like, hey, let's Full sing bar. some. Yes, yeah. well, he just was just awful. Yeah, just he abused was, his body, alcoholic, and really uh, yeah, drug addict. But and, he did such beautiful stuff. We're such a damaged guy. He's tortured, he and you can tortured. hear it in his voice. You can hear it in the in the subject matter of his songs. It's the kind of music you see pictures when you hear it, you know. You, you, you get a feel for the... Uh, the story. He also did a song for Who's Got Mail. Remember back in the day when um, <laughs> what you know, Tom Hanks. Oh, you've got mail. Oh, you've got mail. Yeah. You've got mail. Oh, what I say? Who's got mail? Who's got mail? <laughs> Who's I've got, got mail? mail. <laughs> Who knows this movie? Not me. Um, you've got mail, which was what you know back in the day. What um, you've got mail. <laughs> God. Do you remember that? Oh, I, sure. did, I, I saw it. Oh, I, I saw it too. I, I never saw that, but I do remember AOL. You've yeah. got AOL. Had You've got that. <laughs> you know, but I think it wasn't. What was the song? Was yeah. it a puppy song? Was that the one he did? I think it was the puppy. But when you know, it's a perfect tone for a movie like that. Like his music does sound like a Tom Hanks movie, right? <laughs> Very comfy. It's just that. Yeah, he did actually did a song called "Comfortable Chair," I believe. Also, that's right. <laughs> And there's a lot of tribute albums for him too. So obviously, you know, people have, you know who are in the know have not forgotten yeah. about him. So we like to talk about him in context of films, but you know, everybody should go out and like check out Nilsson in general. Just put Nilsson Smilson. You can't go wrong right. with that album. Start yeah. there. Song yeah. Is that, great. yeah, that's yeah. the good first one it's to go so to. So strange and cool and just amazing. So that's definitely the one to start with. And watch Russian Doll to get that song in your head. Yep. You know, and the poor I, guy died when he was 52 years old. That's the other tragedy, too. He he, he burned out. Yeah. You felt like he lived, a, I mean, just by re- watching the documentary, like he lived a hu- full, super huge life in those yeah. 52 years. I mean, he got, you know, he started young. He was writing songs when he was probably like 20 or yeah. something or like produced. Yeah. So it was, a, you know. An interesting career, but he he just burned out. And he had you know, a he, lot of success. I think maybe success came too quickly and too easily for him, or, or maybe he, there was too much demand for because he was writing songs for the Monkees and for 
different, you know, working with people like, you know, all of a sudden he's getting those phone calls from the Beatles and he's working. Suddenly he's working with, right. with the Beatles. He's making an album with John Lennon and Ringo and hanging out with Ringo, you know, and, and that's going from zero to a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. In one phone call, all of a sudden, you know, yeah, you're, you can go off the rails pretty quickly, I would think. And every single person would say, if he called you up and said, what are you doing tonight? They wouldn't come home for three days. And their wife's <laughs> right. like, really? Not again. And yeah. they would I wake mean, up going, what, what day is it? Yeah. Was I there, mean, he could drink like nobody else. Isn't there some famous story where they were at the Troubadour or something? Very famous story where <laughs> the Smothers Brothers were coming back. Their career was right. dead just because of all the politics and things. The show was done. So they're doing their big comeback at the Troubadour. So he walks in. With John Lennon, uh, I think, I don't know which one was wearing a Kotex on there. One of them had a Kotex on there. <laughs> oh, no. And they're just drunk as hell. And he told, Nelson told John Lennon that uh, Tommy loved to be heckled. So every time there was a break or a silence or anything, they would yell something impossibly filthy out. So the Smothers Brothers like, oh, my God. And it's like the longest night of their life. Oh. Being heckled by John Lennon. And this was their big night. <laughs> this wearing, was their wearing, big night. Wearing a Kotex. <laughs> yeah. That's a real bummer. And... Uh, <laughs> There was other people there at the table. They actually all got thrown out. The security came and threw all of them out on the sidewalk because they just had enough of them. When you look up pictures, you'll see like this carousing group of guys. It's always like going down a hallway looking wasted, like that. <laughs> John Lennon's West Coast years and Yoko's like, come back to New York because you're right. done there. You're exactly. all done. Your work is done. Yep. Well, unfortunately, nice. with pop stars at that level, when they when they have those years. Because a lot of us have had those crazy years, but when it happens to pop stars, it's documented mm-hmm. and photographed and filmed and reported and added to the archives. So, you know. I never had those years. No. I never had those <laughs> years. I was never but. that much of it. Well, it's not too late. Yeah. <laughs> I was never Harry Nielsen level. <laughs> yeah, he definitely. There's HN level partying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would start calling that the Nielsen level. The Nielsen level. <laughs> Nielsen and actually the Nielsen slash Lennon level. When the two of them got together, I think it was bad. It was news. out the door. But what else? What are some other films? I think Popeye was maybe the last thing he did, the last really big thing he did, right? That was the last big thing. He, I mean, we talked about Fisher King, but uh, he, it wasn't like a soundtrack. It was like a, but it carried on. Him and Robin Williams also loved partying oh, yeah. together. Yeah. Those guys were big, big oh, really? druggies They're together. Like our new yeah. rap house. pack. Yep. <laughs> he needed a new rat pack because the other one's like, I can't do this anymore. That's right. But that's what's kind of interesting is that he, you know, his songs have been picked up continually through history of movies you'll you know whether it's goodfellas or even just russian doll like you know he's still contributing yeah even beyond the grave <laughs> and a lot of his songs you know the 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 versions of his songs that you know the best were done by other bands so you assume for instance that one that song called one mm-hmm. is a three dog night song you just assume three dog night wrote it but it's like no nah, harry nelson wrote that i do have to say i do kind of prefer their version yeah and it's a good version yeah i mean it's <laughs> I'm a sorry, good harry. it's a good song <laughs> i did like their and version also, and cuddly toy is a great song and you just yeah. thought that uh who's, who were the guys that wrote all the beatles songs uh boys and heart you just assumed that you, didn't, you wouldn't think of that as a nelson song <laughs> right but it's so dark when you listen to the lyrics to that it's really yeah quite unmonkey like so the guys who the guys who <laughs> wrote all the beatles songs <laughs> You meant to say monkey songs, right? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, I don't know who's in the Beatles. Boys Anybody? and Heart. Heart wrote all the Beatles teams. Yeah. Yeah. Who are the Beatles again? Boys and Heart. Boys and Heart. I had no idea the monkeys wrote all the Beatles songs. That's interesting. See what you learned. They may as well have. They may as well have. 
I always got them mixed up. Boys, boys and, <laughs> boys and, and monkeys wrote many, many monkey songs. It's oh, the yeah. with animal names. They wrote a million, <laughs> million songs for every every cartoon band that was Anna <laughs> Barbera. Yeah, ever. I think they they also had a hit on their own, right? Huh? They had one song that I met, that I, I they liked made records as well. Yeah, there yeah. was one that was like a real catchy tune. Um, but anyway, but it's like who wrote the Partridge Family songs? The, you know those really happy. He oh. wrote them, didn't yeah. he? Who? Didn't he write some Partridge Family songs? Who? Maybe not. Harry Nelson? I'm not, not sure. That I, not that I know of. I, don't know. I thought David Cassidy wrote them. <laughs> David and his mom. Oh, That's he's... what we were hoping for. Darwin <laughs> saying, I like Harry Nelson. Oh. <laughs> And watch the documentary too. Documentary, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's another good starting point. Yeah. Then you go it's back. It's a good. To music. That's another genre of film that I think is really interesting. That we can talk about is music documentaries. Yeah. There's yeah. so many good ones, and you can just sort of get into a. You can get into a binge thing with them too, yeah. pretty yeah. easily. There's a lot of them out there if you look look through Netflix. But there's some really, even bands that you don't think you might like. I watched a music documentary about Twisted Sister. Mm. That was actually because I thought, you know, of all the bands I can think of, that's probably the band I'm the least interested in. But I thought for that very reason, I'm going to just watch the beginning of this thing because it might be funny or weird. It turned out to be a really interesting documentary about a band's sort of rise and fall. And uh, and you end up kind of liking some of these guys. Some of them you end up not liking. I think Burke is a closet fan. He's just pretending like... I, 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 I watched that too, actually. <laughs> because yeah. I told you it was good? or I, Well, I just because I, I was on a binge. I was watching... You know, <laughs> I was on I, a binge. I watched the Ginger Baker one, yeah. which was really fun and crazy. Yeah, speaking of Krabby. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God, <laughs> yes. Yeah, he was like he whacked the ginger baker. They had a cane. He whacked like the documentarian like really hard. Yeah, you know, like oh my god, come on, people. Yeah, <laughs> not a nice man. No, yeah. no. Let's make a documentary about you. Yeah, but if nobody here, and I know Burke has, has seen the Scott Walker documentary, oh must, yeah, that is a must see. That's probably my favorite. And Scott Walker's another one of those great so- songwriters. We just lost Scott Walker. Yeah. Yep. But we anyway, did. one of the best music documentaries I've ever seen. Thirty Century Man, the uh, Scott I'll Walker check that documentary. I love his music, but I haven't seen that. So that's a great documentary, just about art, about yeah. being an artist, right? And the creative force. And but the Nielsen one is a good documentary about a, a really interesting character and a, an interesting songwriter and a sad life, you know, kind of an ups and downs kind of life. And it, there's we we also mentioned Badfinger earlier, and that there's a documentary about Badfinger. I can't remember the name of that one, but that is a bummer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I really liked um, a documentary called Dig. That was a Danny. Oh Warhol. yeah. That was really good because they uh, Brian Jonestown Massacre and Danny Warhol's were I guess competing kind of. First they were friends, and then they they became were bitter, not friends. <laughs> and it's funny to see that sort of evolve in the documentary because their music is kind of similar, but one band just sort of kept going, the other one started falling down a little mm-hmm. bit. Was, but as, it, as, as the filmmaker just shot gold when yeah. Andre was coming apart on stage. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was sad. And it's just a, a great document of the time too. Yeah. And, you know, it was pretty fascinating. That was a good one. And I, I'm a hard sell on music documentaries because I feel like a lot of the inside stuff I just don't care about. But then once you get in there, you're like, "This is really good." So yeah, I did really like that one. Well, it's it's human human stories. It's a little it's more like drama. People it's not struggling. Just history. It's more like you know the drama too. When you choose to be in a band, you you've chosen a really strange career, a, yeah. a strange path, and 
it's not like you just go to your job every day. It's like every day is a new struggle towards something. And you, when you watch a music documentary, you realize how some people there's, I mean, I'm sure there's a million Harry Nilsons out there in the right. world who, who are, have the potential to write songs that are just as moving and ha- maybe have a voice as good as Harry Nilsson, but they just never got, they never had the luck, never got the break. Maybe they performed in coffee houses and everybody who saw them were like, my God, he's amazing. But he sabotaged himself somehow or something happened where he didn't make it. Or, you know, the, the, the musical career luck fairy didn't sprinkle dust on him. You know, it just, mm-hmm. you, you see how, how fragile music careers are sometimes. Well, you'd think yeah. that Harry Nilsson wouldn't have survived considering how self-sabotaging yeah. he was. That just shows you how... I, I do think he was more unique maybe than most people, and that was part of why he, he kept going even with all the bad press and the personal issues. Yeah. But, well, some uh, people can't not yeah. keep going even right. despite everything. And, and it was sad because so many people were trying to help him. You yeah. Know? I mean, the guy, uh, Perry, who helped uh, produce Nilsson Schmilson, who apparently was like kind of his wrangler. Right. Like, having really hard on him. And everybody really wanted to help the guy succeed almost, you know, almost against his own will. You know, <laughs> he wanted yeah. to be, yeah, he, he kind was, of had to test everybody to see how far he could push you. Yeah. Right. Which is a classic syndrome with musicians. Yeah. yeah. So definitely everyone should watch that doc. Yeah. Well, yeah, so we've we've covered Harry Nilsson here. Um, somebody that our listeners need to check out. And I think now that you've heard us talk about him, you're going to start hearing him more. You're gonna, yeah. It's going to be one of those situations where you're going to be watching a movie and you're going to go, I just heard about him. I just heard about him on the... Yeah. On my favorite podcast, the Cinemondo <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but you know how that happens. You hear about something. Yes. And, yeah. it, and then suddenly it's all the time. It's everywhere. Yeah. And Harry Nilsson has a potential to be that kind of thing because he really is all over the place in films. And, yep. and keeps uh, showing up. Yeah. yeah. So that's why we did. That's why we wanted to talk about him yeah. today because we really love Harry Nilsson. Yeah. And he's a part of the Cinemondo universe. And that new Russian, and the, I keep saying new, it's not necessarily new, the Russian doll series on Netflix, I almost feel like it wouldn't be as good without the Harry Nelson I song. I agree 100%. And that song almost makes that show. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So you definitely, everybody should watch that. I'll have to check that out. I haven't seen yeah. it. The episode, and it gets better. Like the first yeah. two episodes, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to stick with this. But then it kicks into gear. It gets more and, and more complicated. Yeah. 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 So, so check, check it, out. it out. Excellent. Should we wrap it up? Yep. All yep. right. Let's all sing a song on our way out. Sing a Harry Nelson song? Yeah. I don't know if I can. Put the lime in the coconut. <laughs> <laughs> well, check us out on home, you know, like uh, your your home computer. Log into your um, home home computer system <laughs> and look for us. You know, dial, your Commodore log 64. Log on to your computer. Log on to your computers. Your console. And, uh, and turn on your modems. Your Wi-Fi. On your console. And... <laughs> And type in uh, www.cinemondopodcast. Oh, gosh. No, Twitter, Cinemondopod, right? Cinemondopod. Right. And Mark always Cin- asks me, like, every time. Because right. I never what know is if that's it, right. Kathy? It's Cinemondopod. Like, Cinemondopod. Pod people. That's the coolest one because it's pod people. Right. And uh, the rest of it's Cinemondopod. We're also right? on Instagram. Instagram. That's where all the kids go Grandmas. now, right? Aren't the aren't the kids all on Instagram now, or am I like Insta. out of it? Yeah, they don't like Facebook. They like the Instagrams. Insta. Or have they moved on from Facebook now? Like earlier this afternoon, they, they went somewhere yeah. else. TikTok is the something thing. I never heard of. TikTok, <laughs> Periscope. There's all these. They've no. gone full circle and they're back to MySpace yeah. now. <laughs> Napster's it's coming ironic. back. It's <laughs> ironic. <laughs> 
<laughs> like GeoCities uh, or something. They've resurrected GeoCities. Speaking of Napster, we're also on a lot of streaming platforms. Probably anyone that you listen to podcasts on, we're on it. Yeah. Yes. So that's like Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, Radio Public, which I said at first because that's the coolest one. Radio Public? Yeah. Yes, Radio Public, Stitcher, and all, yep. all the usual. All, all that ones. stuff. Just, just you know, And email search. us, too. Yeah. You can email, email us. Questions, comments, concerns. Mm-hmm. And tell your friends for our mental health. <laughs> Write us on yeah. AOL. I'm worried about AOL. you guys. <laughs> You've got mail. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, definitely tell your friends and write good reviews. And um, I guess we're gonna we're gonna dance out the door here, like uh, like Popeye and olive oil. <laughs> we're gonna do a little Fleischer Brothers dance out the door, <laughs> but in the real world, so it'll be really uncanny. So anyway, until next time. This is Cinemondo, signing off. Mm-hmm.